Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. This morning I invite you to turn to the second chapter of the book of Acts in the New Testament. Last Sunday, we started a four-week sermon series on the Holy Spirit, and we will be working our way through this second chapter for these four weeks, seeking to better understand the Spirit's role in our lives. In the same way that God was present among His people when Jesus walked this earth, His presence and His influence continues today in our lives through the Holy Spirit. Now, I need to let you know up front that we have our work cut out for us this morning. It's one thing to listen attentively to a sermon, but today you are going to hear a sermon about a sermon. No, no, it's actually more than that. You are going to hear a sermon about a sermon about an Old Testament prophecy. Doesn't that just get you excited? We can do this. We can do it even better with the help and leading of our Lord. So let's go to him in prayer. Oh, holy God, once again we come to the feast of your word. And we long to eat from it. Lord, teach us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is making your revelation alive. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that awakens even within us a responsiveness to what we are reading. And so, Lord, once again today, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see. We pray that you would give us minds that would be receptive and hearts that would be responsive. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin reading in verse 14 of Acts chapter 2. Then Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I wonder if you heard about the church building that burned down and a nearby bar owner who offered the use of his facility for worship on Sunday morning because he was normally not open at that time. He promised that they would have the place cleaned up after Saturday night. He gave the pastor a a, a key, but 
he forgot about the parrot that lived there. And so Sunday morning, the parrot was awakened when the pastor came in early to begin setting up that space for uh, worship. And after watching him for a few minutes, the parrot squawked, new bartender, new bartender. Well, a little while later, the, the, the choir came in to begin doing their rehearsal in this unfamiliar space. And again, the parrot was taking all of this in and squawked a, a second time, new floor show, new floor show. Eventually, the, the members of the church uh, began gathering for, for worship, coming in together. And again, the parrot was taking all of this in and it squawked for uh, a third and a final time, same old crowd, same old crowd. Look, when your passage begins with a reference to drinking, there's no easy way to transition into it. We learned last week that there was a large crowd gathered in uh, Jerusalem at the outset of this second chapter. And the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in a way that enabled all sorts of other nationalities to understand what they were saying. The the people were trying to make sense of what was going on, and some dismissed that as public drunkenness. This brings us to our passage today, and we see Peter's response. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Rather than becoming defensive at this charge of drunkenness, Peter actually uses it to engage the audience with humor, observing that it was too early yet in the day to have drunk to excess. Now think about what this moment must have felt like to Peter and to the other disciples to have the answers. Throughout Jesus' ministry, they were the ones who weren't getting it. Questioning Jesus, asking questions, Jesus questioning them. Now other people had the questions. And they were finally able to share what they had learned. To do so, Peter turned to the Old Testament book of Joel. Now, have you ever wondered how a fisherman would know one of the smallest books of the Old Testament well enough to be able to quote from it in this moment? It's not unlikely that when Jesus told the disciples he would be sending uh, the Spirit upon them that they began pouring over any reference in the Old Testament to the Holy Spirit. And the minor prophet Joel uh, most clearly anticipated this pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter had obviously studied these words well enough that he could use them in this context. Now Joel's prophecy occurred after locusts had invaded the land and destroyed every living thing. And rather than encourage the Israelites that that everything was going to be okay Joel compared this to God's final judgment. This helps us understand why prophets probably weren't always the first to be invited over for dinner. 
But in the midst of his gloomy message, Joel offered a note of hope that there would be a time when God's blessing would be experienced. Let's look at his words in verses 17 and 18. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And then in verse 18, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This pouring out of God's spirit would have been seen as an encouraging sign of God's presence and activity among his people. And the phrase pour out suggests a a generosity, a, a liberality of what is being given. It's a wording consistent with the idea of a faucet that is open wide, allowing everything to flow through it that possibly can. Now prior to this moment in Acts, God's Spirit had been given only to those who spoke and led God's people on his behalf. And so in the Old Testament, it was given to to leaders and to kings and to judges and to prophets. In the Gospels, it was given to Peter and to Jesus. But Joel here spoke of a day when all would experience the power of God's Spirit. And Peter notes in this moment that that time had come. From that point forward, God is generously pouring his Holy Spirit into all who follow him. Now, this is a wonderful gift, and yet we can choke the flow of this gift when we resist or limit his influence in our lives. This is why J.I. Packer noted one time, the question isn't whether you have the Spirit, but whether the Spirit has you. We limit the Spirit's influence when we insist on thinking and acting and responding in the ways that we want to, rather than how the Spirit may be leading us. Or when our lives are too full, or too preoccupied for there to be any space within for responsiveness to the Spirit's leading. The Apostle Paul actually warned elsewhere against quenching the Spirit. He understood that when that happened, we experienced the Holy Spirit not as a pouring out, but as a trickle where we barely experience even the smallest amount of what God is so generously giving us. We need to experience a strong flow of the Spirit, not only for our benefit, but also for the good of the church. For the Holy Spirit was given to build God's church. We could even say on this Father's Day that He is the fatherhood of the church. He called the church into being and acts and has sustained it over all these years. And so let's look this morning a little closer at Joel's words and note three roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives and in the church. And as we do so, I encourage us to consider to what degree each of us are quenching or cooperating with the Spirit's influence in our lives. First of all, we see the Holy Spirit 
unites. The Holy Spirit unites. Let's look again at Joel's words. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Joel declares here that the Holy Spirit is given to all of God's people, young and old, men and women, free and servant. And these broad descriptions offer uh, an image, a, a picture of the diversity of the church that the Holy Spirit was drawing together. In those days, there were some very pronounced social hierarchies, and the early church flattened them when they came together as one body. This resulted in a beautiful breadth of community that modeled Christ's love for the entire world. But let's not minimize the challenge of keeping a lot of different people together in one body. We acknowledge the Spirit's unifying work just a few moments ago with the Apostles' Creed when we noted and affirmed one holy Catholic church. Now the word Catholic points not to one particular branch of the church, but to the one universal church under Christ. Think about the Holy Spirit as as relational glue that has kept a wide variety of God's people together over all these years. Our shared faith and the lordship of Jesus Christ is what brings us here together. But friends, it's the Holy Spirit that keeps us together. Like the early church, we are all surrounded today by people who are different from us. We think and act differently. We often value things differently. And we see things differently. In our differences, we can sometimes rub each other the wrong way. Is this really news to any of us here? And here's the first of three questions for us. In our interactions here at First Pres. Is the Holy Spirit revealed in us as a pouring out of the Spirit or only as a trickle? If we find ourselves judging those around us more than we love them, will we invite, will we even beg the Holy Spirit to change us within? If we're not happy with something around here, will we be led by the Holy Spirit to build up rather than to tear down? And if we have been hurt here by another, can we believe that the Holy Spirit will move us to a place we cannot go perhaps on our own to be able to forgive that individual? You see, how God's people treat and interact with each other is a mark of the Holy Spirit's influence and work in our lives and in our midst. The Holy Spirit unites. The second thing we see here is that the Holy Spirit 
equips. Let's look again at our previous verses, 17 and 18. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Joel is noting an outward evidence of the Spirit's influence within us for the good of God's church. Prophecy, visions, dreams, those seem a little out of ordinary for our context today, don't they? And so let's also remember that elsewhere Paul affirmed the reality of the Holy Spirit equipping God's people with spiritual gifts when he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, now to each one the manifestation or the equipping of the Spirit is given for the common good. God knew that our own best efforts wouldn't be enough to build and to sustain his church. And so the Holy Spirit equips each of us, empowering us to do more than we are capable of doing on our own. We trust that our elders, when they lead, our deacons and Stephen ministers, when they love, our teachers, when they teach, and so many others who are in ministry are all doing so out of their giftedness and out of the Spirit's influence because that is the only way we will effectively be God's church. Now, if spiritual gifts also feel like an unfamiliar marker to some of you of the Spirit's equipping work, Paul offers yet another template of how the Holy Spirit equips us to build up God's church when he writes in Galatians chapter 5, of the fruit of the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit equips each of us with the character of Christ for the good of the larger body. And so here's our second question. Does your living out of the Holy Spirit's equipping of you reveal a pouring out or a trickle? The Holy Spirit equips. And then finally, the Holy Spirit compels outward. Let's look at our final verse in verse 21. Joel Wright says, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Think about who everyone includes in this final verse. Since these words were spoken on that day by Peter, millions upon millions have called upon the name of Jesus and been saved, including you and me. But the Holy Spirit's work isn't done simply because we are now in the fold. There are many more who are yet to learn of and to call upon the name of the Lord. That's why we are called 
by God as a church to be more than just a great place to be a Christian, but to also be a great place to meet Christ, where people can learn about Jesus and call upon his name. And here's why this is so important. 30 years from now, most of us won't be sitting here in worship. But the Holy Spirit will be here, accompanied by all whom the Spirit leads to learn of Jesus and to profess their saving faith in the years between now and then. And we want to be part of that work. There is nothing biblical about sitting back and watching the Holy Spirit work in the lives of others. His influence in directing people to Jesus occurs through us as he compels us outward. Just as the Holy Spirit led the early church out into conversations and interactions with others who called upon and were saved. And though we may be uncertain in what to say or how to approach, rest assured and be encouraged that the one who leads us has been doing this for centuries. The Holy Spirit speaks through us. The Holy Spirit draws through us. The Holy Spirit invites people to Jesus through us. And so here's our third and final question. Does our movement outward into the world reveal the Holy Spirit poured out in us, compelling us outward, or does it reveal more of a trickle of the Spirit's influence in our lives? These are not easy questions. And if we're honest, as we consider the Holy Spirit's role in our lives, it can be easy to become discouraged because we are aware of far too many areas in our lives where we are not under the Spirit's influence. And so I want to make sure that we catch one more element about today's passage. We've looked at the message. Let's take a closer look at the messenger. In the book of Acts, there are 19 significant speeches explaining the Christian faith. Eight of these 19 were given by Peter. This message that we have before us this morning was the first recorded sermon after Jesus returned to heaven. Peter was the man of the moment. He was effectively explaining what God was doing. This is the same Peter who often said the wrong thing during Jesus' ministry, was even rebuked once by Jesus for what he did say. This is the same Peter who denied that he knew Jesus three times, even after boasting he would never do so, and who then wept bitterly. This is the same Peter who was a seemingly uneducated fisherman when Jesus got a hold of him. Friends, if God could bring about this much change in Peter, let's be encouraged by what the Holy Spirit can still do within each of us. 
Last week in his sermon, our pastor, Tim, noted that the Holy Spirit is God's work in you to make things different. We know all too well our shortcomings and our limitations, those places where we wish there was more of us. Peter is a wonderful example of God's power and desire to make things different in us for his glory. Don't settle for just a trickle of the Holy Spirit's influence in your life. Live and interact with God in such a way that the Holy Spirit will be poured out in and through you. God has been building his church for 2,000 years. He continues to do the same today through each of us who are united, equipped, and compelled outward by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, thank you that you would give us your spirit, a spirit that enables us and empowers us to do so much more than we could do on our own, but even more important, that empowers us to be so much more than we could be on our own. Lord, please meet each of us this morning, wherever we are on our faith journey, however much or however little your spirit is poured out into our lives. Give us wisdom to respond and to understand how we can live, how we can interact with you so that your spirit will be poured out and that would make a difference in our lives and in this world. Thank you, Lord, not only for your gift, but for the generosity with which you give it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.